Hey guys, welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This podcast is not to change your mind, but to invite you into somebody else's narrative. This is a podcast to give a voice to the neglected. It is also an opportunity for all of us to engage. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Neglected Podcast. My name is Nick Schultz. You can hit me up at Schultzy Time. We are For the Neglected, so at For the Neglected on our social media. I want to thank Quinn. Thanks for producing, for being here. And we have a special guest today. We have a friend, and his name is Mr. Wiley Griffin. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Are we? We're still friends, right? Even we, though we're social distancing. We are. We're enough distance here, and we'll see if we're still friends after the podcast, right? <sighs> Love knows no social distancing. Okay, that's very deep. All right, so we, you know, we've been friends for ever since probably a year after I came to Savannah or something, almost like five years. Yeah, probably been much better friends over the past two years. Or so for sure and we'll kind yeah. of get into kind of how that really started developing um but but basically i was the family pastor at the church that you were attending and so your daughter would come into the children's ministry and i'll do all the stuff you know bible teaching singing dancing and things like that and uh, she's same similar age to to one of my boys too so jordan i think yeah right? yeah thanks for saying my son's yeah. name on uh public i'm just kidding sorry <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> and your daughter's name is no i'm just kidding <laughs> but yeah so we've bonded over fatherhood and other stuff and um yeah we'll get into all that but appreciate you being here and give us a little idea of what it was like for a little wiley growing up where you were your your family dynamic your yeah your, your origin um, man what was it like i was born and raised here in savannah um grew up for the most part in Sandfly, um, we lived briefly in kind of the Midtown area, um, but I don't remember that too well because we moved when I was probably about two to where my parents live now. So um, that's where I've grown up. Um, you know, uh, both parents, Christians, uh, took my brother and I to church every Sunday. Um, we went to a Methodist church downtown. Um, so I was raised in church. Um, also, uh, went to a Christian school here in town. So, um, from what age from kindergarten until I graduated high school, same school the entire time. So a lot of the folks that I went to kindergarten with, I also graduated high school with. So we were in the same class, uh, for how, how long is that 15 years wow 15 for 14 15 years so you pretty much grew people. up with the same kind of experience education wise and very friendship wise they were all going through the same, same very places. uh very tight-knit group uh especially the folks that kind of went there from kindergarten on um and we had like in middle school we would have some kids new new students from other schools like elementary schools that kind of filtered into our school and then the same thing happened in high school so the class size grew but um for the most part same core group from kindergarten until graduation high school so uh okay so i i kind of have a because i didn't have necessarily that same kind of experience in a in a private private school so i'm always wondering when when people grow up and i mean you're living your whole childhood through adolescence through that filter, through that experience of private Christian school, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, kind of sheltered because you, you know, you're in your own kind of bubble there with your classmates and, you know, it's, it's very structured. Uh, my mom was actually a public school teacher, elementary school. Um, and my father was a corporate credit manager, um, for a local, uh, steel corporation here um so you know my mom being a, a teacher uh wanted my brother and i to get uh what she considered a, a the best education we could or that she could afford mm -hmm. for us to have so um yeah she sent us to private school um so it was you know unless you really made it unless you really made a conscious effort to branch out outside of school um it was for the most part, pretty, pretty sheltered. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did you, uh, what are some of the hardest things that you remember just experiencing it, you know, just cause you're in a, in a bubble and sheltered in a private school with people that are, you know, kind of like you or around you. It doesn't mean 
you're going through puberty and everything's perfect and stuff like that. No. Are there certain things that like you still struggled with and had a had a hard time with growing up at all? Yeah, I mean, I was I was always into sports as a kid. Um, you know, soccer, baseball, football, um, and being that I guess I, I I identified with sports and kind of found my self worth through athletic achievement. Um, you know, there were some, some, some guys in my class in school that were just phenomenal athletes. And, you know, you, you, you want to be, I, I at least wanted to be recognized for athletics and stuff like that. And, you know, being that there were other folks in the class that were better athletes than I was or bigger than I was, cause I wasn't a very a very big kid. I was probably average size, maybe even a little on the small side growing up. Um, probably until I got to high school. Um, and we just had some kids that had, you know, they hit growth spurts early and had been playing like recreational sports longer than I had. So it was kind of tough because in, especially in private school here, you, you know, uh, clicks get formed fairly quickly you know you have your popular group you have your not so popular group and then you have kind of your i guess they would call uh it's not very pc but your your geek or your nerd group or however you want to call it um and i was kind of somewhere in between it's kind of like i was i made really good grades but i also felt like i was pretty good at sports um but wasn't the top in either aspect so it was kind of like i was just kind of in limbo there i had friends in my class but uh i always had that desire to be recognized for for athletics for whatever reason Uh, so you weren't to the point you wanted to be no (laughs) no i mean i can remember you know middle school starting football being you know just super scared because i was small smaller and uh there were guys in our class that were pretty big and had been playing football recreational football since they were you know in elementary school and i hadn't you know sixth grade was my first time playing organized football and uh just being nervous and scared and um not not just lacking just lacking self-confidence i would say and that's not a knock on anything you know family wise just for whatever reason just what you were dealing with yeah yeah i get it man Mm -hmm. we all have those insecurities because we want to be something or be what other people are all that kind of stuff so you're playing i know you played soccer because we talk about that a lot we bond on soccer and so you're getting ready to graduate high school you you want to continue playing soccer you thought you would or what what's happening as you approach approach that time Honestly, I wanted to play sports in college, whether it be football or soccer. Um, I had an opportunity to play soccer at a junior college up above Atlanta called Young Harris. Um, I decided not to do that because there was just, there was nothing up there. You know, it was just, Young Harris is a small town. I don't know about now, but when I went to visit, it's a very small town up in the mountains north of Atlanta, between Atlanta and Tennessee. And uh, there wasn't anything there but a grocery store and the college. Um, they had a very good junior college soccer program. Um, and I had a friend of mine from public school that I played rec soccer with that was going to go and did go play um, at Young Harris for a few years. Um, so I wasn't going to be alone. I guess I was just real nervous again. Uh, not very confident in myself as far as talent went. Um, wasn't sure if I could handle, you know, some of the requirements that they told us about when we went to visit the school as far as like your physical, what you'd be required physically as far as like the tryouts went and stuff like that. Okay. Just a little unsure. So I decided not to do that. So where did you, did you go end up going to college somewhere? I did. I ended up going to Armstrong. Um, which is here local in Savannah, which is here. Um, and they do not have a men's soccer program or a football program. So you left the dreams. I did. Was part of going to a local school also just helping you 
because you were, I don't want to say like sheltered and you couldn't do it, but was that part of it too? It's like, it wasn't necessarily just the small town. Was it hard for you to maybe just go away because your whole community and friendship and experience in Savannah was like so bonded and so like, like you said, sheltered or in this kind of bubble that it's all you knew or was it just something different? It, it was, um, I was scared. I, I was, I think I was scared to leave my comfort zone. I had developed a comfort zone here in Savannah, um, which I think happens to a lot of folks that are born and raised here. Um, but I got comfortable here. Uh, didn't really necessarily want to leave because my majority of my family's here, especially, you know, my mom's side of the family were all here. Um, and uh so it was i think that had a lot to do with it i think if i had gone away to school i probably would have ended up better off um but uh i just i decided to stay and go to armstrong and i think a lot of that decision had to do with the fact that i was comfortable and when so, you went to armstrong did you stay at your parents house or did you still stay in kind of somewhat of that bubble that you were talking about before it was like same friends same people that are around here same area yeah as a matter of fact um i stayed friends with some of the guys that i was friends with in high school that uh either went to armstrong or didn't go to college ended up and, and ended up just starting into the workforce uh mm -hmm. right after high school and um I, I i stayed at my parents uh on and off through college like i lived there on and off throughout college um spent time in renting houses every so often um seemed like something would always happen when we when i would go somewhere to rent a house uh we'd be there for a little while and then you know for whatever reason we'd have to move and i'd just usually end up moving back home with my parents so yeah what is the? Um, because you went to a christian private school and armstrong's not a christian school right no okay. i don't think they have any religious okay so at what point are you rebelling at all against the the bubble or the safety net, even though you're living in the same place where I went to an all Christian school from kindergarten to till I graduated to now I'm in a college. I'm still in the I'm still in my home area, even at home sometimes, but now I might be seeing the world a little bit differently. Now I might be wanting to do certain things that, man, I didn't think I was allowed to do or possible to do when I was in that that environment. Like, is it a gradual turn of experiences or do you just like, man, I'm going to be who I want to be now, not what I was I think, there? Um, I think it started when I was 14 years old. Um, you got an early jump. That's good. Yeah, a lot of uh, so a lot of the guys in my class in eighth grade were starting to like lift weights and work out. And I didn't had never thought anything about working out or lifting weights or anything like that my dad was in the military um so you know we would do push-ups and stuff like that but as far as lifting weights when it never crossed my mind until eighth grade when you know we were playing football and the guys would talk about you know working out and how much they bench and this that and the other and so that got me interested in going to the gym and my father took me to a local gym which was um publicly funded by the county so it was a free gym mm. um so anybody and everybody could go there um and i think that's when i started to branch out a little bit because i was around people from all walks of life that were working out there you know all races and just different backgrounds and when you're in the gym you don't you know you're just working out you don't you don't look at people differently or anything like that so um unless they got better muscles than you and you want to <laughs> ask them for advice everybody was uh everybody was better than i was when i started <laughs> so um i was looking to get advice from anybody and everybody i could and you know a lot of times uh in a in a gym atmosphere when you're a younger guy and some of the older guys that have been lifting longer see you in there and see you working hard and see you you know, every day you're in there and you're, you you're know, you're putting it. in the, you're putting in the work. Yeah. They will, a lot of times you'll, people will take you under their wing and they'll, they'll give you tips here and there. Or they'll yeah. let you work out yeah. with them. And, 
you know, some of the, some of the African American guys that worked out at that gym kind of took me under their wing and they I mean, and these were big guys, these were truck drivers that had been working out for a long, long time. And they, I guess had developed a level of respect for the fact that I was there every day, lifting hard, you know, lifting heavier, getting stronger. And so they, they kind of took me under their wing and really, that really started giving me a little bit of confidence. The fact that, you know, some guys that I kind of respected in the gym actually reached out and were trying to help me and wanted me to work out with them and stuff like that. Nice. So, so what are you doing um, for a career? Like, did you go to college for a certain thing that you in, then ended up following career wise? And um, so I, I wanted originally, I wanted to get a business degree. Um, however, when I was at Armstrong, they didn't have a business program. So the only, the only thing close to that, that they offered was, uh, economics. Uh, so I studied economics there. Uh, but you know, after, the, after college, I, uh, I had several different jobs. The job market was not great because it was like 2008. The economy had just kind of mm -hmm. crashed a little bit and, um, the job market just wasn't great. So I took a job after college, uh, serving tables at a restaurant downtown. Okay. So that must've been a while ago. So I remember when I came to Savannah, I think you were, you were banking. You were in, I was in banking. You for, were in banking. So a, yep. you made a transition at some point and started making a little bit more money probably than you were. I did. So I, tables. I started serving tables and then the restaurant that I was working at, um, just happened to be expanding and they approached me and asked me if I wanted to move into management at one of the new locations. Um, so I accepted that, which was a little more pay, uh, obviously more hours, different hours. Um, and so started doing that was managing one location and then eventually became a general manager and then a district manager. Um, and then ended up moving into banking from there. Okay, so. cool. So we'll pick up at least from there where at least you and I kind of crossed paths and came down, you were doing that job. And, and that was, I think I said at least six years ago, something like that. And kind of the, the next thing I want to talk about too, was, you know, one of the difficult situations of, of really why we approached each other to be on the podcast as well is because you had a really difficult life event happen that you had to live through for, a while and I'll kind of let you explain it, but, um, yeah, go ahead, man. Sorry. It was a horrible yeah. segue, but I don't no, know. I don't know how to uh, do it. <laughs> you know, there's, so there's been a couple of difficult things. Um, you know, number one was, uh, I went through a divorce in 2012. Um, and, um, the young lady that I was married to, we had a, a daughter together. So that was rough. Um, and then while I was banking, um, you know, uh, I was going to attending church regularly in a life group, everything, um, but had kind of, I had kind of gotten comfortable and um, was just in a place where I felt like, you know, I was good. I was comfortable. I was like I, like I said before, in a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And um, when you start getting into a place like that, it's, it's usually a good indicator that you need to kind of check yourself, um, at least for me. Um, and I didn't. And I made a series of, of very poor decisions uh, that led to me uh, having to go to prison for a year. So... That was that was probably the hardest thing I've ever been through. Okay, well, there's definitely a lot to unpack with that. Um, you know, the first one is we're not necessarily going to say exactly, or I'm not going to ask you exactly what you went to prison for because we don't want it to affect other people that you know aren't your family members of, of what happened. And you know, just just you even being on the podcast where people know your name and and hear that you say that you went to prison, they can 
find out what they want to find out because it's all public stuff. But, you know, I appreciate it. Appreciate you for wanting to come on because, you know, what we're about to talk about and being in prison and the mistakes you made, ultimately you want to share what you went through so that it can help out other people. And so I think that's, you know, when we go through this next part, it's, I appreciate that it's not all easy what you're, you're sharing. So, you know, and the reason it's personal too is because we were friends kind of before that, before you went to prison. Right. Not good friends. I don't even remember like us hanging out. I think we became better friends through that experience, to be honest right. with you. Because yeah, that's, you came to, um, you came to visit me and uh, we communicated. We definitely communicated while I was gone. That is correct. So. Your parents reached out to me mm-hmm. just because of the church connection. And I don't think you and I ever like hung out maybe once, like one on one or with a couple of people, you know, one or two times. So we right. weren't like good friends communicating that often. But then once you went to prison, you know, your your parents reached out and said, hey, it'd be wonderful if you could talk to him, write him letters. Here's how to do it. You mm-hmm. know, that's how you send him pictures and talk to him. And really, that's kind of where our relationship kind of took off was when you were in prison at your yeah. probably lowest point. And so, um, and I've been able to walk with you from that time in prison to now out and just, you know, see growth and stuff. But, you know, for someone who grew up in a, I know you've said this before, like a privileged kind of life and home where you went to a private Christian school your whole life and stayed mostly around home and was in that bubble and oh yeah that kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden to make those kind of choices where you're a, you're completely out of the bubble now where you're going to this place that you probably never thought you were going to go to. Never. And then, and then your parents probably never thought you or any other kids were ever going to go to prison because of the life you were living. What's happening before you even walk in the doors of the prison of what just happened to you and your family? It, it's very surreal um, because you're exactly right. I never in a million years would have thought I would be, I would have been in that situation in having to go to prison i'd never been arrested before in my life um you know just i didn't live that kind of lifestyle where i ever thought that would ever be an issue for me um uh well i say that but you know in a roundabout way i was living a lifestyle that could have landed me mm-hmm. you know so yeah. um just very surreal um, it, you know, it really didn't hit me until I was behind those doors that I wasn't going to see, you know, freedom for a year. Um, just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of nights just crying in, you know, in a cell by myself or with somebody else in there, you know, trying trying my best not not to let them know that i'm crying but uh Mm -hmm. what what was what was the reaction of other people inside the prison because at least from what other people who've been in prison and things i watch or read about prison life and, and get get as much knowledge as i can about it like you know people can tell when somebody comes in who's not tough or like they're not expected to live this lifestyle and and you know here you are probably just like shattered and like you don't know what to do and you don't know who to talk to and like what was that like for the especially the first whether it was day or first few weeks and either fear you had or like knowing what to do and how to how to interact with people well so you're you're exactly right you know you people that have been there before definitely recognize people that have never been there or don't belong there or shouldn't be there i don't want to say shouldn't be there i mean obviously there are probably people that shouldn't be there that are there but uh you know i took responsibility for the choices i made and i had to uh, pay the consequences for those choices so i did deserve to be there mm-hmm. um but you you definitely you definitely know who has been there before and who has not um and so it was, you know, what you see on TV is not entirely accurate. Yeah. Uh, in case you didn't already know that. Um, 
you know, what makes good TV is showing the worst of the worst. And that's more, more often than not, that's what you see on the TV is mm -hmm. the worst of the worst. Um, my experience, I guess, um, honestly, probably went as well as it probably could have. Uh, never had any issues. Um, it was just the fact that you are not in control of anything, anything. Um, you don't control when you eat. Uh, you don't control when you go outside. Um, you know, you don't even control when the TV comes on yeah. and when the TV goes off. You don't control when you can use the phone. I mean, everything is... Mm -hmm. is out of your control and it's made to be an uncomfortable situation because they don't they want you to be uncomfortable so you don't want to come back yeah. and i totally understand that um what was the lowest point for you during that during that year so a certain time period was a certain experience just um the lowest point for me was even before I got to prison. It was telling my daughter that mm. I was going to have to leave. And she didn't know where I was going. Um, she was real young at that time. She was. She was uh, seven. Seven at the time. Um, and I remember sitting down and having that. But it wasn't really a conversation. It was just I basically told her... Um, that uh, God needed me to go somewhere and that he was going to make me a better daddy and a better man and that he was going to use me to help other people. And uh, the hardest part of that whole thing was she looked at me after I said that and she said, but you're, you're already a good daddy. And I'll never forget that. And uh, it's, it's hard for me to even say it right now, but I'll never forget her saying that. That was the lowest. That was the lowest. Um, because the actual experience of being in prison, I learned a lot from it. Um, and while I'll sit here and tell you that's the hardest thing I've ever been through, it's also probably the best thing I've ever been through. Why would you say that? Because I told my daughter that in full confidence that God was going to use me to help other people. And he did. And he put people in my path in prison that helped me. And there's no other way I could explain it. than it was his doing because the people that he put in my path helped me so much and looked out for me so much because I, I had no idea what was going on in there half the time, you know, um, there's protocol and there's, there's a whole culture in prison. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you haven't been around it, you, you will have no idea what's going on. It just takes time to learn it. And thank goodness I didn't have enough time to learn it. Um, but, uh, I was able to, while I was in prison, um, you know, I read, I read my Bible every day. Uh, ended up reading through the entire Bible that year I was gone. Read tons of books. Um, actually, in prison, they had a GED program. And because I had a high school diploma, they allowed me to be a teacher's aide in the GED program. So I actually helped teach men that didn't have high school diplomas, English and math, to help them get their GEDs because it was an incentive that would help them uh, – get time taken off of their sentence if they had a lot of a lot of time mm -hmm. um so i'm in prison with people that have life sentences 20 year sentences 15 year sentences um and i'm helping these guys and you could see who genuinely wanted to learn and who was just there you know to try and pass the time because people in prison if you have a lot of time you'll do anything to pass the time yeah bad man. so so what do you based on your experience growing up and now you're in prison like does your, what changes the most or maybe all of it does, but your, your view on God or your view of just humans and, and people in general, or even of yourself, is there something that changed 
more than any anything else of those kind of like three things that you didn't realize until you were there? Um, several things. Guys in prison are just like you and me, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have grown up a little differently than we did, and because of that, maybe the choices they made that got them put in prison might have been normal everyday life choices for them. We don't know. They don't seem normal to you and I because we grew up differently. Um, the other thing is uh, God is definitely real. I, you know, uh, I, I can look back on that whole experience and it, and it strengthens my faith so much because I can look back and see specific situations where he showed up, whether it was people that I developed relationships with, friendships with, um, guys that I read the Bible with in the morning, um, guys that, you know, we had prayer with, um, guys that I was able to help being a teacher's aide. Um, just there's no other explanation for you know some of the situations i was in some of the people i met and uh i never want to go back (laughs) never want to go back and i have to remind myself every so often what it was like because you get out and you forget about all that Mm -hmm. you start living your life and you know you you sometimes you're in the moment and you forget man you know two years ago i was in prison or three years ago i was in prison yeah um did your daughter ever find out that that's where you were she has not um she's nine now and i'm still kind of hesitant to explain that to her because i just I want to make sure she's old, old enough to understand. Um, uh, and, and I just, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not real worried about what her reaction is going to be. Uh, I just want her to be old enough to understand why, what happened. No, daddy's not a bad person. He just made some really poor choices mm-hmm. um and no daddy didn't hurt anybody you know um so because i i don't i don't know what her perception of jail is i mean she's a nine-year-old girl so i don't know if you know she may she may think that you know only bad people go to jail yeah you know so yeah and you know, you did get out. You got out on like Christmas Day, didn't you? I did. Christmas Day. Yeah, on Christmas Day. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Surprised my parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you told me that when you wrote to me or something. And you're like, mm-hmm. don't tell my parents. But I, I vividly remember you getting out on Christmas Day. And I was yep. like, that's pretty cool. My brother and one of my really close friends came and picked me up. Matter of fact, um, <laughs> My brother's fiance was with him and that was the first time i ever met her <laughs> was when they came to pick me up from prison this first time meeting her um and they're married now and she's been great uh very accepting of everything and you know it meant a lot to me for her to even you know i don't i don't feel like a lot of people would have been accepting of somebody that had a a sibling that went to, went to prison or you know, it just, it meant a lot to me that, uh, she didn't judge me or my brother yeah. for that. So, well, and then also when you got out, like you were very proactive about asking for help, just help to stay mm-hmm. on the right path, help to help to grow. You know, you reached out to me and now you reached out to other people too. And it's like, I, I don't want to get back into any kind of habits and thoughts that I was in that kind of slowly led me to be in prison and make that decision I did before. And I, I want to continue growing because, you know, 
like you said to me many times, like I'm growing more in prison than I was ever growing at any point in my life, you know, just from a spiritual and, and healthy standpoint of getting right with what who I'm supposed to be. And then, like you said, you get out and you live just the regular lifestyle everybody does. And, you know, the fear for you was, I don't want to slip back into that because now I know I can't go there. There are so many distractions in everyday life that, that will prevent you from um, making your faith a priority and making a conscious effort to take time every day and read your Bible and pray. And um, fellowship for me was a big thing. And, you know, that's with all this social distancing that's been going on here recently. Um, that's the one thing that I've been missing is the fellowship, you know, going to church, going to life group with the guys that I'm in a life group with, uh, meeting with you, you know, you and I were meeting once a week for breakfast, <laughs> five spot. Um, but, uh, so those are the things that I've missed because, uh, there's an accountability, there's a level of accountability there. Um, I'm able to talk to you guys and just, we're able to bounce things off of each other and just you know, talk about life. And that's been missing since all of this, this the virus stuff has, has been mm -hmm. happening. So uh, that was huge for me because I know what my weaknesses are. Um, I know where I struggle the most. And um, I know that it's something that I can't conquer on my own. It's something that I need other men to hold me accountable with. Um, and I don't think that that makes you, makes me any less of a man or weak or anything like that. Um, it's just, I know what my struggles are and I know where I need help and I know who I, who I need to go to, to, to be able to talk about those things and, and people that hold me accountable for things. Yeah. So. Uh, it's really good, man. I, I've appreciated that and being able to just kind of spend time with you and, and help you in that way. Cause you know, you help me too. It's like when people are honest and vulnerable with you, like it, it's not just like me giving all the advice or anything. You, you've helped me out too. Cause we're both dads and both <laughs> trying to help other people. And, and one of the neat things too was your, your desire to grow too. Like you ended up coming to one of our groups where we do uh, be the bridge racial reconciliation group. And that was a unique experience having you there because really your past, you had a very sheltered kind of, you know, heavily white experience past, you know what I mean? And going to a right. private school and Christian private school and stuff. And in no way was that bad, but it was really neat for you to step out and say, Hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to understand people with, from different races and ethnicities and find out, you know, what their struggles are, because I've had struggles too, but I don't know how they're struggling. And through that, you know, point being, seeing you go through that, having gone through prison and really spending time with people of very different races there as well, and learning some of the things that they've went through, and then going through that group, you've, you've made it a point to help out other people, specifically that, you know, aren't white and haven't had the opportunities that you've right. said that you've had, and you've been able to help people find jobs since you've been out of prison and help them and give them a hand where you're like, man, before I didn't realize I could do that. And now, like, I realize I have a way I can give back and look out for people that need a chance. Yeah, I, I mean, um, part of that desire came from prison and then part of that desire came from being in Be the Bridge with you and, and Giovanna and, and those folks. Uh, you know, um, it just just helped me to realize that I, I could use my experiences. I could use um, my relationships that I have with people around town to kind of help people that may not be given an opportunity um, to kind of be the bridge for folks um, to help them out. People that may be in difficult situations um, because I've been blessed since I've been, been out of prison to have opportunities, um, given to me just based off of folks that I knew that 
knew my character um, that were willing to give me an opportunity despite my circumstances. Um, and so I felt an obligation to do that for other folks, um, especially minorities. Uh, I mean, even though I grew up in a very white environment, like you said, um, going to prison makes me in a way, I feel like a minority because there are not, there's a select group of people that have been in that situation and it's definitely not the majority and I'm not, you know, just skin color aside. If we're talking about minority groups, you know, people that have been to prison would, would fit that category. I feel like you well, know, you've got a record now you've got some asterisks by your name that prevent you from absolutely doing certain things. And, and you also recognize, like you just said it, like that puts you in that kind of a group. I have labels now. I have labels according to society. I have labels now. And so a lot of times you don't get opportunities based on those labels. Mm -hmm. People don't, people don't get, give you a chance to get to know your character or anything like that. The only way you get opportunities is if people vouch for your character. Yeah. And so if I can vouch for someone else's character that I know has integrity and, and deserves an opportunity, then I'm going to do that. Yeah. And that's what I've appreciate seeing from you and helping you figure that out is like, yeah, you've got this label, but even being white and with that label is still even different than a young black man coming out of prison Absolutely. with that label. And, you know, you've been able to be given a job and an opportunity, but now because of your experiences, you still know, like, Hey, there's still people like me, same skin color like me that have that struggle, but there's definitely people with different skin color than me that when they have the same label as I do, it's like an extra label. And there's, I can see they're not given the same opportunity. And like, I can be that bridge where if I'm being respected, I can vouch for them now instead of them just kind of floating out there where maybe before I wouldn't have thought anything about it. I couldn't do anything about it, but kind of have a little bit of a purpose now and I can give back in that way. And, you know, I think that's, it's really cool, man. It's one of the things I appreciate about you. And I know it's meant a lot to you. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to be able to use, um, my life experiences to help other people. Um, I'm appreciative appreciative of my life experiences and the things that have happened, um, the things that I've gone through, whether it be divorce or prison or whatever, um, because it's molded me into the man that I am. And I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still developing into, I'm still trying to be, you know, who God wants me to be because I know I'm not there yet. Uh, and it's, you, you know, those experiences make me relatable to a group of people that I never would have been relatable to if I hadn't gone through that. So if I can use that to help relate to somebody or if it makes me more relatable to somebody and it helps them in some way, shape or form, then it's worth it. Yeah, that's good. And kind of as we wind down a little bit, what I love to do is just kind of wrap all those experiences you just shared and where you are presently, but especially looking back on it of here was my upbringing, here was divorce, here was going to prison all these experiences I had. And they, like you said, they've molded you to who you are now. And you can't understand a lot of times what you're going through when you are going through it and see the full picture until you're past it or not even fully seeing it yet sometimes. But when you look back and you, you see some of the struggles and choices and, and things that happen in your life, what can, what can the average person do, whether they're a friend or not, they see somebody going through a divorce who has a kid 
they see somebody who's about to go to prison or made a bad choice and their life's about to get drastically altered and you might not see them for a year or two years or like how can how can someone in just tangible easy ways enter into that life that that you were living there and make a difference or the people that did make it what was the biggest differences that that people did for you during that time because that's going to continue to happen people are going to get divorced kids are going to get hurt people are going to go to prison like how can we step in those in those lives and make a difference the biggest thing that anybody could do for somebody that's either going through a divorce or or they have someone whether it be friend family member that's going to prison or has to has to go to prison is just be there and be supportive and try your best to be understanding um prison is something that not a lot of people do understand if you haven't been there you you won't really understand it um and uh you know there were times where i would be on the phone with my family members my mom father brother and uh i would get frustrated because they didn't understand they didn't understand what was what i was going through or what was happening or you know and and a lot of my frustration was just the simple fact that i wasn't there and i had no control over over anything that was going on mm -hmm. at home um and that was a lot of it because i just i was i was trying to get you know things done at home from a far away distance over the phone and things don't always get done the way you want them to get done. And so it's just, there can be frustrating moments for people that have friends or family members that are incarcerated. I was very blessed because I had a lot of support from, uh, folks from church like yourself, uh, lots of folks from compassion that supported me through everything, wrote letters, sent me emails, um, phone calls. Uh, my family has always been supportive. My parents have always been supportive no matter what. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wrote my daughter a letter every week that I was gone. She still has all of those letters. Um, I called her every weekend on the phone because she stayed with my parents pretty much every weekend I was gone. So I was able to talk to her on the phone, um, which was hard because every now and then she would ask me where I was or, you know, mm. um, but just it, when you're, when you're in prison, the little things matter, the little things from your family, from your friends, the little, the little shows of support from anybody. Um, and the same thing goes when you're going through a divorce. I mean, divorce is not easy and it's not something that I would ever advocate anybody doing. Um, I know that a lot of times, you know, that you don't have a choice, you know, cause it, people can just do that kind of stuff. But, uh, I would never advocate that and, and it is hard, but it, the more support you have, the more people you can talk to. Um, and, and it's not, it's not about taking sides either. It's not about them taking your side and you know, this, that, and the other, it's just, just about having somebody there to talk to. Uh, and even if it's somebody that doesn't know what you're going through, has never been through it. Just being there. Just being there. Cool. So, well, I appreciate you being here. <laughs> I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. And I know some of that stuff's not easy to remember and talk about. And, you know, you're also gracious and letting our guests know, like, if you have more questions about just like what he went through in prison or some stuff you find out ever because you're around here in Savannah and you have questions for Wiley or just, you know, what he's gone through and what he's doing now, just reach out to us and we'll get you in contact with them. You've been cool about saying that. So you're not trying to hide from anybody. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not hiding from anything that happened. I'm not hiding from any choices I've made. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions that folks have or anything like that. Um, yo, so 
they need to reach out to you. <laughs> we'll filter it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We'll filter the fan mail and the hate mail. We got you. No fan mail. I don't <laughs> need that. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you being on and appreciate your friendship. Love you and your daughter and your family. And, um, it's good, man. It's good to see you grow. It's tough seeing yeah. you go through that stuff, but you know, kind of seeing the man you're becoming, especially ever since you got out, it's been really encouraging for me and how you're helping other people. And that's kind of what it's all about is getting ourselves healthy, but also making sure we're out there helping other people too and doing what we can. So just appreciate you being out there, man, fighting, fighting a good fight for it. I appreciate you. And, you know, I love you, buddy. I like right. family. Stop being sad. Just saying. Don't make it weird. <laughs> All right. It's not weird, but we're going to cut it out now. So <laughs> want to thank Quinn. Thanks for producing again, man. Wiley, thank you so much for being our, our guest yes, this week. And, um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Everybody have a good one. Peace. <laughs>